Welcome to the Department in Conversation. This is a planned series of recorded conversations to continue to build community and cohesion within our department. Through these podcasts, we hope to highlight different components of the department, the faculty and students within our community, and the broader academic life. Today in our conversation, we're talking granting strategy. I'm joined by Dr. Tom Stelfox, who began his tenure as Scientific Director of the O'Brien Institute in November. But many of you will know he's been a member of our community for over a decade. He brings a unique perspective as an accomplished researcher, team builder, physician, previous department head, scientific and medical director of one of the strategic clinical networks, a mentor, and now in his current role. Welcome, Tom, and thanks for agreeing to chat with me. Uh, thank you, Fiona. I appreciate that very kind introduction, and it's a real pleasure to be here today. And I was thinking as you're making those comments that uh, I can't think of anything more than granting strategy that fosters team cohesion. Absolutely. So let, let's start there. Tell me a little bit about your granting strategy. Um, so I would say that I, I think that uh, for me, um, I think of grants as an essential component of what we do as academics. And so at a very simple level, my granting strategy is to pursue opportunities uh, to submit grants um, that are aligned with the work I do. Erring on the side of, of submitting an application um, as opposed to not submitting application when I'm uncertain. I conceptually kind of think of two purposes to grants. The, the first purpose is that as academics, it is one of the metrics at present that um, universities use to evaluate the performance of their individuals that are research intensive. Um, and so I think that's important for anyone to recognize uh, because it's part of, the, part of the credentials and the track record that we build up and develop. The second reason, which I think is more important, is that grants provide a mechanism for us to obtain the resources that we need to conduct the work that we want to do. And the kind of resources that we need are going to vary substantially from individual to individual. There are scientists who um, run research programs that are quite small and during which they do a great deal of the actual um, uh, data collection, analysis, writing, and dissemination, and hence for individuals like that, they often lead, need fewer resources um, uh, to support their research activities. Conversely, we have individuals that are equally successful and have a very different approach, which is they, they tend to run very large teams um, with large numbers of graduate students, large numbers of um, research staff to conduct programs that re require that support. And by definition, those types of research initiatives are require a lot or a lot more of, of financial research support. Um, and so I think that one needs to consider is that yes, as scientists, it's important for us to get grants and to hold grants. And at the same time, the size of those grants, the frequency of those grants um, is influenced by how important those resources are. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, a natural question for me following that is, has your your granting strategy changed as your career progression has changed. So, you know, when you were in early career, um, thinking back, you know, did you have a different strategy than you might have now as you uh, accumulate some gray, gray hairs as you move into like your mid to late career phase? Um, yes, absolutely, Fiona. And it's fortunate there's no video for this. So you can see all my gray hair. <laughs> um, but certainly my granting strategy, some elements have stayed similar and other elements have changed. So I would say that you know, I continue to submit grants as I become um, 
have a large number of administrative responsibilities or other responsibilities, I would say the frequency of, of grant submission has gone down. Um, and I would say that with career progression, I've begun to target larger and team-based grants. So that has evolved. Um, now, the, the, the evolution of grants to team-based, I don't know if that's a stage of career or if that's maybe a stage of science where, you know, I'm a firm believer that um, that is, as scientists, you know, we individually can make a, an important difference and that the biggest impacts come when we work collectively together in groups and teams. Um, and team grants provide that natural opportunity to do that. I would say that early in my career, I um, took a very structured approach to grant writing where I would start by submitting to smaller competitions, smaller amounts of money, generally starting a not with tri-council competitions. So maybe University of Calgary competitions, provincial competitions, national competitions from agencies outside of the tri-council, and then progressing onto tri-council. I worked with the strategy of building grants that every time I wrote a grant, um, if it was not going to be successfully funded, the plan was for it to be resubmitted either to the same competition or to another funding opportunity so that that, um, that work um, would, uh, there would still be benefit ultimately from that work. Um, another strategy that I incorporated was sort of stacking grants. So very much a programmatic approach to, to grant writing where, you know, a traditional approach might be something like a grant for a knowledge synthesis piece, a grant for some sort of um, observational data, um, and then progressively more observational data than ultimately leading to interventions. Um, and what I found very valuable about that approach is that in my experience is success with smaller grants that build foundational elements for a program of work, increase the probability of success of future grant submissions and increase the probability of success for that work. Is it, they sort of build on one another. I have very much tried to avoid um, applying to one-off competitions where this grant is going into that competition no matter how attractive it is um, and it's either going to be successful or it's not and if it's not then it's going to end up sitting on an electronic folder somewhere. Yeah so I mean you've touched on sort of the resubmission or you know the rejections the grants that don't get funded which is a reality for most of us in academics. Um, Tell me a little bit about how you think about the resubmission. So sort of two things like one, how do you pick yourself up after this? It can be a bit of a shot to the heart if you're passionate about your grant idea. And, and how, do you, how do you think differently about that grant versus one that you're starting from scratch? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think of the process probably in, in three phases. The first phase is the grieving phase, um, which is the, you know, the grant is unsuccessful. Um, I would, I think that anyone who puts the effort into writing grants and is passionate about their science is going to uh, is going to grieve in some form after not getting their grant. Um, and I generally, during that phase, try and not um, contemplate future actions. Um, once that phase is through, and as I, one of the benefits of becoming older and more experienced is that phase has generally gotten shorter for me as I've progressed in my career, but certainly it was pretty painful at times. Um, early in my career and the reality is is that we're going to have more unsuccessful submissions and we're going to have successful submissions that's just the reality of it right mm -hmm. so yeah. i would say that's the first thing that's important and one needs to develop one's own skills in managing that um, and uh, community is important for that family is important for that perspective is important for that mm -hmm. um, 
after that, then once I'm through that grieving phase, then I move on to sort of a, um, an evaluation of the actual application, including at that point, reading the comments. So I will have read the comments initially, but I'm under no illusion that, um, that my interpretation of those comments will be through a, a lens that maybe does not allow me to, to see them for what they truly are at that point. Yeah. So then once I'm in a position to actually internalize the comments, I go back through them. Um, I read, I go back through the grant um, and then I solicit uh, feedback from other individuals that I think may be helpful in guiding me with that process. Um, and then the third phase then is, is then to basically plan a resubmission process, right? Um, and I would say that in the vast majority of cases I've resubmitted grants, it's rare that I've done a piece of work that um, the reviews have come back and said, that made it clear to me that actually there's a fatal flaw in this that cannot be fixed and that there's no value to this work. Um, so I've generally had then gone on to resubmissions. Um, I think that's a, that's a prudent strategy. Um, and at the same time, what, what I think is important to think about is, is to think about what are, we'll call them from you for, you for Fiona as an economist, sunk costs, right? Yes. So there's efforts that have been put in, but then to think about whether or not the incremental effort of of additional work on that grant, given what one now knows, still means that one should do this work. Um, and it's not always a guarantee, you know, that is the case. And having said that, if if we've carefully gone through thinking about the study question, we've gone through and carefully thought about the methods initially, put all that effort to de developing a proposal, it's unlikely that this is something that we simply uh, don't want to pursue. And so really would strongly encourage individuals um, to then think about how to, to then modify that application to now address the weaknesses that were identified, deal with the, the um, I'll call it the, the competitive nature of granting, right? And grants yeah. ship to get it successfully funded and then to be able to have the resources to execute that work. Yeah. Um, I think that's important. One of the challenges that we have is that for tri-council grants at least, there's a very short turnaround period between when one hears that one is unsuccessful and when the next competition is available. Um, and so there can be a compressed time period to make those changes. I think that there's two ways to think about that. One is to actually work on the grant in between competitions. And that sounds very unattractive because you, you might actually get the grant. And so why are you working on it in the meantime? Mm -hmm. But ideally what one's doing is one's actually building on that program of research. And so there's certainly at least new elements, new background data, new feasibility evaluations that could be that could be added in very easily. Um, and I do think that if one writes grants in a way that allows them to then inform subsequent manuscripts, there actually can be a fair amount of efficiency in that. Uh, and uh, that one can then use this process to already be strengthening the grant to some extent before one knows that one now needs to put a concerted effort into it. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I'm struck by is that while there, a reaction that I often have is that, well, I've just gotten this news, needs a lot of work. What I'll do is I won't resubmit it for the current competition, I'll wait to the following competition. Um, that what I'm struck by is that when, when one puts one's mind to it, and if one is able to block out substantive amounts of time during those narrow windows, right? Yeah. Um, just how much can be accomplished, um, which is highlighted for me the value of of when being uncertain whether to go or to wait, to delay, generally I've found value in going. Mm -hmm. um, 
um, and it avoids the sort of the risk of inertia that then can develop. Um, so I think that's kind of another observation around resubmissions that I've observed. You know, and the last comment I'll make is that we all recognize that the granting landscape um, is imperfect. Um, that large numbers of individuals volunteer a lot of their time to review grants. Um, they're not paid for this. They're doing this off the side of their desk. Um, they're often doing it under circumstances that are not super easy. Um, and, um, and that errors are made, right? Um, and so myself and others have certainly experienced circumstances where we've submitted a grant, one of my first grants with a knowledge English grants to CIHR. I think it ranks second lowest in, in the competition. Um, pretty devastating as a new investigator. I made minor revisions to that grant, resubmitted it the next competition and was funded. Mm -hmm. uh, and it speaks to the serendipity or the chance element of the, of grant, of the granting landscape. Um, and um, I think highlights the importance of resubmission and also being kind with oneself that um, what was not viewed as particularly attractive last month is suddenly viewed as attractive this month. And that's just an element of chance. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that story, Tom, because I, I know many of us would have stories of that and and they're they're quite painful experiences to pick yourself up from. And so to know that even someone as accomplished and in such a strong leadership role as you has has walked that path and sort of had that experience of um, you know, a harsh rejection, if I may frame it that way, picked yourself up, gone in again, um, and had success, which I think is really one of the strongest hallmarks of an accomplished researcher is that ability to, to pick yourself up, know what works for you to get re-motivated, re-pivoted, re-energized, and be able to follow through on that. Um, Can I add a comment to that, Fiona? Of one course. Of things I used to do earlier in my career, um, and I think is actually was a valuable exercise for me, is that I actually tracked all my grant submissions on my CV, um, and including the ones that were unsuccessful. Um, and for me, you know, when one's early on trying to develop an academic track record, it was a way of demonstrating that um, to the people I report to, um, to my community, that, um, that I am trying, I'm putting mm -hmm. submissions in, um, and then I, I no longer do that because otherwise, as one CV grows, you know, it becomes a bunch of noise and you lose all the, the information. But early on, it was quite a valuable exercise for me and something I think for early career investigators to consider. That's a great tip. That's a great tip. I hadn't thought of that. That's fantastic. Tom, you've already touched on this a little bit around sort of special calls or or calls for competitions that are outside of our normal cadence. And this has been particularly amplified with COVID and all of the granting calls that have come throughout this time. How does that line up with your strategy? Should it affect your strategy? It's a great question, Fiona. And I think one that, that would... Um we would suggest that we should be strategic in thinking about special calls. Um, and I view them as having both potential benefits and downsides. And so, you know, the benefit for a special call, from my perspective, is that um, it sometimes provides a call for work that we're actually doing and aligns very well. Um, it provides an additional mechanism to pursue funding sources. Um, and often special calls have higher funding success rates. Um, is there's simply a smaller number of applicants that are going to target this specific issue. Um, the trade-offs for me are that um, is, is to what extent do they distract us from pursuing our, the overall programmatic nature of our work? Um, and so I think one wants to be mindful of that. 
Um, I think special calls are most attractive if they're reasonably closely aligned or allow us to do a side project related to something that we're actually interested in doing. I think that um, if conversely they're quite different than what we're normally doing, unless it's an area we want to go move into, um, that that they maybe don't provide the benefit um, that that um, we otherwise might get from a regular application. One of the other trade-offs with special calls is that what is the opportunity for resubmission? Um, and so, you know, many grants can then certainly be submitted to a general competition, um, but we'd want to think carefully, carefully about that. And obviously, special calls often we see them on like a Friday afternoon, right before a long weekend, and they're due in like a short period of time. And so, one then has to be able to have the ability to reflect on them and then fairly quickly make a decision to proceed or not to clear one's calendar and to mobilize uh, uh, resources to get that done. Um, well, we're talking about sort of supports and strategies. Tell us a little bit about what OIPH has to support people in their granting endeavors. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that one of the strengths of the, the O'Brien Institute is its internal peer review process. It's not perfect. It has it has strengths. And certainly as individuals use it and they identify opportunities for improvement or gaps, then please let us know. I would say that there are there's sort of four main pillars of opportunity for internal peer review, although one there's lots of shades of gray. So we, we have a standard internal peer review process, which many members will have experienced, where they uh, fill out a form, they submit their grant, um, and there is sort of the, the grant is reviewed by two to four reviewers who provide written feedback in the form of emails or written documents. And that's kind of what we've been doing um, historically for quite some period of time. We have at the same time uh, offered sort of intermittent panel-based reviews for special competitions although other offices within the Cummings School of Medicine are, offer similar services. More recently, what we've, we've, um, we've begun to offer is the opportunity for the individuals reviewing the grant and the, the individual who's submitting the grant to actually meet in person. Now, of course, that means via Zoom these days, but an opportunity for there to be a dialogue, either one-on-one -on -one or the, the panelists, the reviewers with the, with the applicant as a group to try and simulate a little bit more of what an actual grant review process looks like and to provide that um, that verbal communication that um, uh, sometimes is lost in written communication. Um, this requires more time for preparation, right? To be able to get the, to get people's calendars coordinated. And so what it does require is it requires individuals who would like that type of experience to sort of register earlier for, for grant submissions. Um, I would say that in the context, and those, those are targeted very much to review of written grants that are going into a competition. We do our very best to respond to grant review requests, even with short time notice. To be honest, the quality of the reviews, the, the opportunity for having um, the right individuals review the grant is better with longer periods of notice. So as much as possible, and I recognize that we're all working very hard these days is that the more proactive we can be that the more likely that the internal peer review process is going to be a benefit. There's two other types of, of reviews that are offered that are not targeted to a specific grant competition. The first one I'll mention are chalk talks, which have been introduced as the concept being that um, one might be thinking of a new project that's going to then translate into a grant and would like to talk through that process with some peers. Um, and so once again, that's currently done virtually, hopefully in the in the coming months and years, we'll be able to return to some of that in person, where literally it's an opportunity for someone to present some preliminary ideas, work through how they want to 
they'd like to develop those. And I think that could be very valuable for any of us, in particular for individuals earlier in their career, to um, because before we become heavily committed to a given idea or a given methodology and can then get input at an early stage as to how we might best frame a question and then think of the methods to pursue it. Mm-hmm. The last type of session that we're offering are called Propel Sessions. And these are sessions that are not targeted to a specific um, funding opportunity, but rather to developing a program of research. And these are opportunities for individuals to come to the Institute and to meet with three or four senior members and to sort of discuss their career plans, their research program, and how they'd like that to unfold. Um, And then for there to be a discussion about what might be a a strategic way to have that work most effectively. Um, In some ways, the Institute has done that historically when we used to have salary awards and we'd bring together um, sort of um, bespoke panels for individuals who are applying for salary awards. And those are much more of a career program type application. Mm -hmm. This is in the context of just thinking how one might map up their research program. So those would be the four main types of of, of, um, peer review processes we provide. You know, for ind- there are going to be custom applications for large team grants and so forth that if individuals contact the Institute, we can then work with them to create an internal peer review process that will give them what they need to be successful. Yeah. Thanks for that, Tom. It's so nice to see such a wider range uh, of, of opportunities for support and growth. And you know, having been through a few of those myself, I um, find them incredibly valuable for improving sort of my own career trajectory, but also the outputs uh, on specific grants. So thank you for highlighting all those. My final question is really that just recognizing that granting season can be hard on folks. So, you know, both the lead up time to getting your grant in, um, and if we follow the cadence of CIHR, you know, that's sort of March-ish and, uh, you know, August, September-ish. And then also when the results are released for, for those of us that are unsuccessful, it can be a really hard, hard time as we already talked about. Um, so what kinds of ideas do you have about how we as a community and colleagues could do to make this time easier for each other? Yeah, that's a great question, Fiona. And um, so I guess the, the first thing I would say is that um, is you're, you're correct in pointing out that there are periods of time of the year that are more likely to, um, to involve us, but then at the same time, there's competitions coming out all the time. And so um, there may be colleagues amongst us who are you know, very busy with grant applications and the rest of us are, are focused on other activities. I think there's two strategies. The, the first is a strategy, what can we do for ourselves? Um, and then the second strategy, what can we do as a community? I would say that at least for myself, the way I think of this is, is um, whether it's granting or whether it's when I'm in clinical service or other periods of time that, that are um, particularly uh, time intense um, and require a lot of um, intellectual activity and and can be stressful is that I try and um, treat myself like an athlete. Um, and that, you know, and I'm, anyone who looks at me is not going to mistake me for an athlete. Um, and, um, and what I, what I mean by that is the fact that um, if we treat ourselves like an athlete, we increase our performance and we increase how we, how we feel uh, about ourselves. Right. And so for me, um, and I imagine this would be similar for many people is that, you know, sleep is important and that's obviously more difficult when one's under stress, but, but having a, a careful sleep routine, um, eating good food, right, um, mm-hmm. is important. Once again, more challenging when we're under, under stress. A routine physical activity or exercise is essential. Still finding time for family so that there is the social connection, family or friends, some form of social connection, even if it has to be a little bit reduced, hopefully. I mean, we shouldn't be 
I don't think we want to be going into fast or, or famines um, situations with our family where we don't see them during these periods. Um, mm -hmm. And then lastly, some sort of strategies around um, around mental health. And you know, I um, I have, um, have successfully adopted you know a meditation routine now for almost two years. I spent probably ten years before that trying to adopt that routine, um, and now I finally adopted it. And I can tell you that for me at least, that's a very effective strategy. You know, for other people it might be walks might be um, having their pets or whatever it is or reading, but some sort of routine. I, I do think that we want to treat ourselves like athletes. Think of it that way. And yes, we're not, we're not um, lining up at a start line somewhere, but the work we're doing is no different. Um, it, requires, it requires experience and expertise. And the higher we perform, the more likely we are to have success and the better we are going to be at weathering the, the inevitable um, disappointments. Mm -hmm. And then as a community, I think that, um, I think as a community, it's important for us to be supportive of one another. That shouldn't just be around grant um, submission times. It should be the way we interact with one another throughout our, our interactions. Uh, we should assume good intentions of, of other people. Most people come to work trying to do, want to do a good job, want to interact positively. And at the same time, we get tripped up by events that happen in our lives that result in us maybe coming across in ways that aren't as positive. So mm -hmm. being supportive of one another. I do think that there is as I mentioned earlier, tremendous value in the concept of trying to do collaborative work. I recognize that research tends to attract individuals who um, are often very independent um, and that many of us do independent research. And at the same time, I think there's a lot of value for us working together. Um, and not only does it increase our chances of success and big impact, I do think that during um, the challenging times of a grant, it actually makes it much more enjoyable. I mean, some of my most enjoyable grants, um, and actually I should say, I mean, that one of our, our current team grant, I had the privilege of writing with Gina Parsons-Lee, and it was an incredibly enjoyable experience because of the collaboration, and you could see the, the, pro the product progressively improving as we worked back and forth on it. And so I think there can be, there can be joy there, and then certainly um, it's also very helpful when, when we have disappointments in terms of supporting one another. So those would be my initial comments. I don't know that there's any magic bullet in there, um, but at least the approach I take. Thank you for all of your insights throughout this conversation, Tom.